Welcome, precious one. The message you are about to listen to will bless and enlighten you, and we're delighted about this. Ministering is Reverend Elijah, pastor of Christ Glory Ministries. Stay tuned, and God bless you. Faith is not faith when that which you are, you have set your gaze upon, is already in your presence. Glory to God. And so the epistles tell us that the just shall live by faith, a repetition of what the scriptures declared in the book of Habakkuk. And it says unto us that while we look, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. It will be no faith if we are already in the thousands or the tens of thousands and we, are, we, we, we confess and declare that which is in our confession pamphlet. Praise God. But it is faith now because we speak of those things that we do not as yet see. Glory to God. Amen. And the responsibility of interceding for nations every Sunday is a seed that we are sowing into our future. Praise God. A seed we are sowing into our future. And I will not be surprised that with every nation we pray for, there will be a seed of CGM in that nation. Glory to God. It's just a matter of time. Hallelujah. Before God will make you a savior of a particular place, there must have been intercessions that have gone forth from your, from your bowels into that nation. Hallelujah. And so the people that God used to deliver Israel, bless Israel, the prophets, they were intercessors of Israel. And so day in, day out, as we intercede for these nations, as we pray for them, our seed is being established in those lands. Glory to God. And the time will come where in every nation that we have offered prayer, you will find a branch of CGM there. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank God so much. This entire week, the past week, our focus was on God's will concerning prosperity and financial abundance. Amen. And we spent time praying and learning some basic things concerning that. Hallelujah. And so, today we're going to look at something deeper. Amen? Something deeper. And so I'm sharing with you on a message titled, God's Original Design for Wealth. God's Original Design for Wealth. God's Original Design for Wealth. And please ensure that everything that is being taught over the entire marathon, you apply it to your life. Praise the Lord. Week after week, you apply. So the knowledge you have of the Holy Spirit 
you walk by it, the knowledge you have of words, you walk by it, the knowledge you have of glossalalia, you operate by it, praise God. And the same for this as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. Right, so when we want to discover God's original plan for wealth, one of the first places to look at is the book of Genesis. Praise God. Because the book of Genesis contains the foundation or the bedrock of every wholesome doctrine in Scripture. Almost every eternal truth or every transgenerational truth can be traced into the book of Genesis. Amen. So, it is in the book of Genesis that the principle of marriage is revealed. It's in the book of Genesis that the principle about redemption is revealed, salvation is revealed. It is in the book of Genesis that the principle concerning offering to God is revealed. It's in the book of Genesis that the principle concerning the grace of God is revealed. Every eternal truth and every transgenerational truth finds its first origin and it's first mentions in the book of Genesis. Hallelujah. Praise God. And it is so rich that when Jesus Christ wanted to mention and correlate the original principles of marriage, he traced it back and said, for in the beginning he made them male and female. You see, though there were other examples of marriage all through Genesis, um, Genesis Exodus, so on and so forth, till his day, he went all the way back. To Genesis. Glory to God. And one of the principles for interpreting scripture or studying your Bible is the principle of the law of first mention. Amen? The law of first mention. The law of first mention simply reveals that you trace the first time a word is used or a principle is revealed in the scripture. And in the law of first mention, you see how God used that principle or how God or that principle, that word or doctrine was, you know, implemented or used. Glory to God. So, the book of Genesis contains majority of the law of first mentions. Praise God. Yeah, because in the law of first mention, you see how God intended the scripture to be used or the doctrine to be used. Amen. Another, in, another principle for studying the Bible and also interpreting the scripture is the law of context. So the law of context will guide you in studying the Bible so that the law of first mention, for example, does not stand on its own or you don't get into bias in interpreting scripture. For example, in the law of first mention, the first time the serpent is used in the Bible, it is negative and it represents the devil, the deceiver, true or false. But you will not base on that and say every time you see serpent in the Bible, it is negative. Why? Because in the book of Numbers, the serpent was a type of Christ. Are you following this? Numbers 21. Let me show you a little bit of scripture interpretation. So you see, the Bible is not just a book that anybody can just pick and preach. That's what people think usually. That anybody at all can just pick it and then preach anything. And that is why there are so many funny doctrines moving around. Praise God. Yeah. Like if you wear trousers, you are going to hell. A lot. Very interesting stuff. Numbers 21. Are you there? Numbers 21. 
Let's just read from verse 7 because we want to go into our main focus for today. Verse, verse 7. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if the, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Praise God. So you see that though the law of first mention reveals that serpent is negative, and even throughout the scripture, you, you've got most of the time it's negative, you also realize that you have to apply context because context will reveal to you what the principle there is being used for. Amen. Now, how do we know that this um, represents Christ? Because Christ himself, the Bible is, uh, itself, in the book of John, mentioned it. Let's go to John 3. John chapter 3. Praise God. Jesus himself pointed to it. So, the law of context, another one. John 3 verse 14. Are you there? Okay, verse 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you see this now? So in as much as the principle of law of mention is present, there's also the principle of context. I could give you more principles, praise God, and laws for scripture interpretation. Amen. But Today, today we want to look at God's original design for wealth. Amen? And it's important that we, we will consult the book of Genesis for so many of these important and powerful stuff. Glory to God. Now, first of all, what is a physical substance or a physical element that represents, you know, wealth in the earth today? What, 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 what is, what, which, which, Physical element represents wealth in the world today. Money. Say what? Money. Praise God. Money. Very simple. Amen? Money. But before money, there was something else which primarily, you know, communicates wealth. And that is what? Gold. Glory to God. Gold. In fact, um, Currencies in the world today, majority and in, in reality, they are pegged and backed by gold. Are you following? Now, let's observe what God said about gold or what the Bible reveals us about gold. Okay? Let's look at some things about gold. How did God use gold? What, the first time God mentioned gold, what was God's intention? How were, you know, what was God's idea concerning this? Hallelujah. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Chapter 1. Now. In Genesis chapter 1. The whole chapter. God describes certain things as good. Amen. In the recreation of the world. God describes certain things as good. So as he was making things. He observed and he would say this is good. He observe and he say this is good. He observe and he say this is good. Now, when all the things he, has, he had observed in Genesis chapter one were done, the next time he said something was good, was good. <laughs> Praise God. The next time he said 
that something was good was gold. Genesis chapter 1. Let's just look at some of the things, how God, you know, used the term. So Genesis 1 verse 4. It says, And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided light from darkness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Alright. Let's come to verse 10. It says, And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of waters called his seas, and God saw that it was good. Praise Lord. Praise God. Verse 12, it says, And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and a tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Praise God. Are you following? Verse 18, it says, He had given, you know, these um, starry creatures to rule, and then it says, verse 18 says, And to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. Praise God. 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Hallelujah. 25. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So God concluded on things that were good in Scripture. Amen. Let's go to chapter 2. Verse 9. Or verse 8. Let's start with verse 8. Let's just start with verse 7. Okay. So, we will also be looking at when gold was mentioned in the Bible, what it was used for, right? But let's look at this one first. Verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. I told you that during the week, I told you that the word garden means an enclosure. Praise God. And Eden also means pleasure. Praise God. Now the Bible says God planted a garden and he put man in the garden. So God put man in an enclosure of pleasure. Praise the Lord. Meaning that God's original idea and plan for making man was not struggle, was not poverty, was not pain. It was pleasure. It was joy. It was abundance. If God truly wanted to make man in his image, then God is not in poverty. God is not in lack. God is not in sickness. God is not in penury. God is not in struggle. In heaven, there is no struggle. In heaven, there is no lack. So if that was really and truly, sincerely and honest God's intention, then his intention was to make man in a place of abundance. That is why to believe that poverty is God's will for your life is to rob yourself of what God intended for you. Because just as Jesus said that for in the beginning it was not so, so also in the beginning it was not so that men should be poor and men should be in struggles. Are you hearing this? Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. Verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree that the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that is, that, that is it which compassed the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. 
Look at verse 12. And the gold of that land is good. <laughs> Praise God. There were other minerals. <laughs> yes, Ghana is good. Praise God. But he says, and the gold of that land is what? Good. Now, the first time we see gold mentioned here, it is depicted in providence, God's providence. Because God makes it available. These are people, they don't need to buy anything. They don't lack anything. The people that are going to be there are going to be couples. Praise God. There is no limitation of resources. Everything is in abundance. Yet he puts gold there. And the idea behind it is that he wants to establish the fact that wealth, opulence, are natural and normal in the environment of the king's children. You see, he wants to establish the fact that wealth, opulence, are natural, are the order of the day in the environment of the king's children. He put the gold there. The first time gold is mentioned, it is connected to divine providence. What is providence? Providence is the manifestation of the foresight, the foresightful care or provision of God for his creatures. Amen. And providence simply means to provide in advance. So you combine it to you have providence. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Very important. Very important. So the original concept of wealth starts right from Genesis and starts with God. Now you will discover in Genesis that every almost about 99% of the time when gold was mentioned, it was in connection to God's people. Study your Bible. 99% of the time when it was mentioned in Genesis, it was always connected to God's people. So you see that the origin, the origin and the idea, the whole idea of wealth, abundance, began with God and it was from God connecting to his people. The second time you hear riches, praise the Lord, riches, wealth, being communicated in the Bible, it is connected to Abraham. Let's go to Genesis 13. The second time you hear gold being mentioned, God tie, it is tied to his people. Genesis 13. Are you there? Verse 1, he says, And Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him, into the south. Verse 2, And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. Hallelujah. And in what? In gold. So again, seeing or hearing the word gold, it is connected to God's man. Abraham was that man of faith. Abraham was that dude that God picked and said, let's go together. I want to do this with you. I want to do that with you. Praise the Lord. It was connected to God's people. You see, it's very interesting because as you study the book of Genesis and even study chronologically throughout the Bible, you come to discover and you ask yourself questions that so at what point did believers start believing that wealth is evil? Because if it began with God wanting and intending gold for his people, then at what point did we exchange it 
to now make it look like wealth is evil, poverty is holy. Or wealth is evil and lack is noble. You see, somebody could have said, oh, okay, the Bible says Abraham was very rich. Oh, yeah, he, he means rich in character, very noble man. My, my brother, the Bible said rich in cattle, silver and gold. It's clear. The third time it was mentioned, it was mentioned as a proof or a testament of God's blessings. Genesis 24. So the second time it was mentioned, it was mentioned as a possession by God's people. Because Abraham, Bible defines that he was rich in silver, cattle, gold. First time it's mentioned is connected to divine providence. We didn't ask for it. God provided it. The third time is connected to a, a testament or a proof of God's blessing upon his people. Genesis 24. Verse 1 says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Hallelujah. In all things. Now let's come down to Verse 30. Let me start reading from verse. Alright, verse, verse 30 is fine. Then it came to pass when he saw the earring and the bristles upon his sister's hands, and when he had heard the words of Rebekah. His sister saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at a well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord, wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for all the camels. And the man came into the house and ungathered his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told my errand. And he said, Speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant. And the Lord had blessed my my master greatly, and he has become great, and had given he had given him flocks. That means God has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. Are you following this? The third time is mentioned here. It is connected to, is used as a testament or a proof of the blessing of God upon His people. Tell somebody, wealth is God's idea. Wealth is God's idea. Wealth is God's idea. And it is not far from the experience of many of the Jews we have in the world today. The Jews form the, 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 the group of the richest in the world. Many of them hide behind the scenes, but they are wealthy and they are Jews down to their very roots. Glory to God. Yeah. And that is why if you are Abraham's seed, please accept all the blessings that come with being Abraham's seed. Not only the Holy Ghost. <laughs> in fact, in and with the Holy Ghost must come the mindset for everything that God desires you to have. Glory to God. Are you following this? Very, very important. Don't reject. We'll come to certain reasons why, you know, um, there's a hindrance when it comes to 
prosperity, and we'll look at that as well. Glory to God. I could show you the fourth and fifth and others, but this third time is connected or is mentioned as a proof of God's blessing on his people. Hallelujah. Amen. The fourth time is mentioned is connected to a transfer of authority or a transfer of, of uh, um, position. Hallelujah. Where the gold on Pharaoh is transferred and given to Joseph. The ring, gold ring, gold necklace, so on and so forth, a transfer of authority. Hallelujah. And in that, even in that situation, Joseph is now becoming the one who's going to provide and lead in provision for God's people. Amen. God is not wicked. I follow him. God is what? God is not wicked. His will is wealth. His will is prosperity. His will is abundance for his people. For his people. You see? For his people. One of the first things that you must embrace and accept is this. Before every other thing. Because until your mind is tuned to accept this, you might oppose it subconsciously and unintentionally. Your ignorance might become your first blockade to experiencing wealth and abundance. It's like the person who is unsure whether God wants them well. It's like the person who is unsure whether God wants to heal them of a particular sickness. Their uncertainty is the first blockade to them receiving any miracle. And that is why the first blockade we need to take from every believer's mind is the blockade of the uncertainty whether God wants me rich in the first place. That's the first thing. Because many believe in their mind. They think that, oh, we know God wants it. Not that they really, really know. They want it, so they suppose that, oh, if I want it, God wants it. But no, you have to have it rich, you know, revealed to you from the scriptures. So you can see God's stance on it. And God's stance is that he wants you wealthy. That is the original plan. If God does not change, he is the same yesterday, today and forever, then his original intention for making man still holds. And if it was not to make man sick or to have man in sickness, then till today, he still doesn't want man in sickness. True or false? Are you following? His original intention still stands. Amen. Let's look at six laws of divine prosperity. Six laws of divine prosperity. You are going to become so rich and so wealthy. Yeah. So wealthy. Your compound alone will be somebody's flat. Yeah. You enter. I, I, you see, in Ghana, people are quiet. But there are homes and houses that when you enter in Ghana here, from the from the there are two gates. <laughs> from the first gate to the second gate is a is a mile, a distance. And that whole area is somebody's car park. There are certain people in Ghana here, in this East Ligon area, other places that I know. And when you enter the place, you ask yourself, Ghana? Yes, Ghana. <laughs> so question is. Shouldn't you enjoy some? Doesn't God want you to enjoy some? And the truth is that these people, they are not Muslims. 
They are Christians. Hallelujah. Praise God. Accept that first of all, God's desire is world for his people. Amen. Yeah. Does God want unbelievers poor? God doesn't want anybody poor. That might surprise you, but he doesn't actually want anybody poor. But in the order of priority, in the order of preference, he wants his people. He has decided that wealth belongs to his people. The first law. We have looked at this during the week, so I may not dwell too much on it. Amen. The first law is the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord. Take note that in Genesis 1, God blessed them. Hallelujah. He blessed them. That's man. Now the blessing of the Lord, Proverbs 10 verse 22, Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and added no sorrow to it. Hallelujah. And I taught you during the week that the blessing of the Lord, it does not operate in a vacuum. You see? It has to alight upon something. So if the blessing comes to meet emptiness, it may be inoperative. It must alight upon something to make it functional, to make it abundant, to make it um, prosperous and abundant. Hallelujah. The blessing is like a divine chemical that works upon a substance. You see? It works upon a substance or, or, or a substrate. It, it comes upon um, whatever it is. Maybe, you know, there are... Um, let me use this. Some of you have watched... All of, almost all of us have watched cartoons when we were young. Praise God. Yes. And in cartoons, you will see that if you used to like, if you used to like watching Dexter's Laboratory, I don't know if you used to watch AB. Everybody in what they used to watch. Depending on, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yes. So, if you used to like watching Dexter's Lab, you realize that there were moments where something little, then Dexter would squeeze a drop on it and suddenly the thing becomes huge praise god it suddenly becomes huge to the point it's almost filling the entire room and there's no more space in in a nutshell and an illustration that is how blessing is blessing always must come upon something you see the blessing itself may look very small may look insignificant this is the reason why esau wanted to kill jacob over the blessing he knew that it's not about give, them giving him money or um, cattle. There was something. A spiritual substance. Hallelujah. So, the blessing does not operate in a vacuum. It must come upon something. That is why you must not be idle. You see? And your hands must not be empty. You must not have nothing you are doing. Praise God. What most people will go to, we'll, we'll get to that today. Praise God. But let me, let me just show you something here. Let's go to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Hallelujah. Are you there? Alright, Matthew 14. Let's start from verse 15. He said, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send them out to the way that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five, 
you, you know, we'll continue. But you see, let me just chip this in. So, so many people in trying to um, sound honest, okay, want to establish or, you know, let people believe that Jesus was poor. You see, it, it, it's in the nobility of their heart to make it look like, oh, the gospel is not about money and everything. We understand all that. But don't force to try to make Jesus poor. Don't force it. No miracle worker remains poor or is poor. No, you look at even our day like this. You are a miracle worker. You are a healer. You think money will be far from you? It doesn't work that way. You Let's put that one aside. It is he who quoted for us Matthew 6 verse 33, true or false. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. And all other things will be what? Added unto you. Was he not seeking the kingdom? Wasn't his priority? Don't you think that he should become the first proof that all things were added unto him? So do you think he'll be in lack? I mean, take the man's own words. He told you Seek first the kingdom, and all will be added unto you. Then he goes about seeking the kingdom, and he's begging for bread. <laughs> no, it doesn't even add up. You see, in the honesty of certain people's hearts, they and they use certain scriptures to try to show that oh, and he had nowhere to lay his head. That was a one-time occurrence, my dear. There was no way he would be in lack. There was no way he would be he would be in, in poverty. Do you know what poverty is? <laughs> Praise God. Luke chapter 8. Let me just show you something. We'll come back to Matthew 14. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad times of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Every city and every village preaching. We saw some of the men who came to him, like Zacharias and Co. These men were wealthy people. Rich people, they understand what it means when they meet other people that they honor. Because what money answers to, a lot of things answers to money. Bible says money answered all things. So many things answer to money. But money itself has what it answers to. And money answers to power. The superior the bossu over money is power. That is why God does not necessarily give you money. God gives you power. The power to get wealth. It's a power. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. He says, Thou shalt not the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth the power to get wealth. There is a power to get wealth. That power is above money. Now, Jesus goes about preaching all these places. Do you think the rich guys, in, when they go and see him, they'll go with their empty hands? No. Not at all. He did not lack. He had an abundance. Why would he have a treasurer? If what is coming is coins can fit to his pocket, why need a treasurer? Ah, Peter sent it by five Ghana. Father, mission bottle. Let me show you from the scripture, verse 2. And certain women, note this, certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Steward. So this was a woman in a a high place, Herod Steward and Susanna, and many others. Is it few others? Few others, 
many others which ministered unto him of their what? Of their what? Of their what? So this is only the women being spoken about, not even the guys, not even the men who want to, who have ego and want to show that, you know, yeah, I'm a big man, take this. This is the woman. Bible says emphatically, they minister to him of their substance. When you see the Bible using such terms, it communicates wealth, it communicates possessions. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, it says, honor the Lord with your substance. It's not talking about your makeup. It says your possessions. That's what it means by substance. Are you following this? So they minister to him, not once, so continually. And if you know the truth about women, especially when they believe in you, they are very generous. Yes. <laughs> they are very generous. Praise God. When women believe in you and they are following you, that is why God uses them in building ministries. Over here in Jesus Christ's ministry, there were many women. The Bible says it. Praise God. Yeah. So when God gives you favor before women and he sends them to a ministry to be a blessing, he has given you good gifts. And that is why many women, rich women are coming to CGM. Praise God. Yeah. May God send the right women into your life. <laughs> Praise God. When women believe in you, they are generous to their substance. And because naturally, they are generous. Praise God. And it is, their, it is a capacity that they possess to be able to be stewards. A woman can have so much money, eh? But you see her working normal, see if she doesn't have much. Women are good stewards. Bible says they minister on Jesus of their substance. Many women. Many women. The reason why the Gospels do not emphasize so much on that side is not, it's not because it was not so, but it's because it doesn't want to get us distracted. There are many things that went on in the Bible, but they focus on Jesus so that we don't get distracted. You see? But not getting distracted does not mean that God wants to deny us the knowledge of the truth. For example, in Jesus Christ's own parables, a lot of the parables he spoke about, either the majority of them, either he was talking directly about money or using money to illustrate another principle. So about 16 of the 39 parables cover money. Either it was being directly spoken of or being used to illustrate another principle. Child of God, understand that wealth is God's will for you. Amen? Let's go to Matthew 14. Let's go back. So please, let's not try to force poverty on Jesus. <laughs> Amen? Let's not try to force it on him. If you don't want to accept that he was rich, just say he did not lack. That's all. <laughs> Amen. Are we good? Yes, because sometimes it's, it's a bit sad, but anyway. And I wonder to what end the intention is, but anyway. Poor people don't travel with luggage and extra clothing. But Jesus, when they went to the other city where they met the man of Gadara, and they healed him. Bible says when the people came back, they met him rightly clothed. Clothed in new garments and in his right man. Where did the clothes come from? From the tombs? They went to excavate a dead body and took the clothes. No! It came from the luggage that they used to carry along. Probably one of Jesus Christ's dresses. One of the disciples' dresses. 
And they gave it to him. Poor people don't go around with dresses. They don't even have what they wear. <laughs> Come on, are you following me? When you study the scriptures, be sincere so that you can be objectively taught by the Holy Spirit. But when you enter with preconceived notions, you might end up doing exegesis instead of exegesis. Exegesis is reading your interpretation into a scripture. Exegesis is deducing what the scripture has to come in. <laughs> Praise God. Don't worry, doctor with me. Amen. Praise God. It's important. Hallelujah. God is a God of wealth, God of provision, God of abundance. Satan is a God of lack. Matthew 14. So verse 17. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. Let us bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and disciples to the multitude. He did something. He did what? He blessed. He did what? He did what? He blessed. Now, after blessing, what happened? They, they, they distributed it and it fed over 10,000 people. Bible says about 5,000 men, women and children not counted. Let's be very, very modest. Over 10,000 people. From five loaves of bread and two fish. But there had to be the loaf of bread and there had to be some fish. The blessing wants to come upon something. You see? So, whether you are working in a company or you want to start your own thing, find yourself doing something. Praise God. Find yourself doing something. And you see, that is why we learn these things. The Holy Spirit has given us the, the, week, the, the things we are following systematically. When you gloss Aliyah, the Holy Spirit can lead you on certain things to start. It doesn't matter that you're starting small. Start it. Start it. The blessing will come upon it and it will multiply. I've seen this several times. Several times. Several times. Don't despise. You know, there are some of you, you have skill. There are some of you, there are certain things you can do. You'll be amazed how the blessing of God can monetize that skill you have. Praise God. Praise God. Are you with me? Luke 22. Let me show you something just about Jesus Christ and then. <laughs> Praise God. Somebody says singing skills. Luke 22. Are you there? Let me read verse 35. You know that you already remember the scripture. I'm not reading that scripture because many of you know it, and some, that's why some people also use it to defend poverty. They say that Jesus Christ to the disciples, as you are going, don't take any bag, don't take any pills, don't take anything, go. 
Praise God. So imagine that he told them that, and then after he left, he, he ascended and left. The disciples, if you are going, they don't take anything. And so for four years, they are wearing the same dress. <laughs> for four years, they are wearing the same dress. Because he said, don't take anything. That's not what he's talking about. You see, what God want, Jesus Christ wanted to show them was a higher way of being supply conscious. Many, of, many people prior to that time who had been wealthy, their trust was in what they'd been able to amass. But God wanted them to have more than that, more a higher revelation of working than that. To know that you are supply conscious. Everything is yours. At any point in time, whatever you need, every, the resources of the universe are available to you. You see? And so Jesus Christ, anytime he needed something, everything was available for him. Verse 35, he said, And he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything? Did you lack anything? And they said, Nothing. Come on. They said what? Nothing. They lacked nothing. Hallelujah. Right. So he blessed it and what? It multiplied. Glory to God. Same thing with the woman with the, with the oil, with the issue, who went to the prophet in 2 Kings 4 and needed, was in debt, right? And they were, debt was so huge that they were about to take a, a son as a slave. The prophet, you know, left debt. So now they are coming for their children. Then he went to meet prophet Elisha and told him about the situation. Then the prophet asked her and said, what do you have? He said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you have in your house? It's always a principle. What do you have in your house? Then the woman said, I don't have anything, no, just some small oil left. He said, that oil. You see, that oil. When Elijah met the widow of Zarephath, he said, what do you have? He said, bring me food to eat. He said, I don't have anything except a little flour and a little oil that I'm about to bake. And my child, he said, that thing, bake for me to eat first. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That little thing. The same thing. When God met Moses, he said, what do you have in your hand? He said, the rod. He said, it's enough. Throw it on the ground. So always, you have something that God wants to multiply. You see? Just that many times, we have not allowed the leading of the Holy Spirit to draw our eyes onto it. So that the blessing can come upon it and then multiply it. Whether you are in a company where earning salary or you have your own thing you are about to do or want to do. The blessing of the Lord can come upon whatever it is and prosperity can become the result. Hallelujah. Number two, the second law. This is so important. The mindset of psychology of prosperity and riches. This is very, very, very heavy. The reason why many do not experience as they are supposed to is because they are mentally blocked. You see, when Satan can't deny what is yours as being yours, then he will probably intend you know, to block your mind mentally from accepting or knowing or believing that that is yours. Amen. So, one of the reasons why, you know, many of God's people are not rich is 
the mental blockade, their, their psychology they have about prosperity or riches or money. Hallelujah. Your psychology comes from your perspective of money. When it comes to prosperity, it comes to riches. It comes from your perspective of money. Glory to God. Let me use the opportunity to just share some principles with you. Let's say that this is a, an intersection, right? A road intersection. And then let's say there is, okay, I don't want to use an accident. Let me just use a building, okay? A uniquely designed building. Unusually, it's over here. Praise God. Let me put the dollar sign in there. Because without money, you can't build the house. <laughs> Praise God. Now, person A is here. Person B is here. Person C is here. Person D is here. All of them have a particular perspective of what is in the center. True or false? So, let's say this is person A. Praise God. Different perspectives, so different reflections on their face. Amen. Yeah. Let's, let me use this to illustrate to you perspectives that generally people have towards riches or prosperity or how, you know, um, money is to be gotten. Are you following? Let me just circle this around and then. So now we have something like a window with four panes. Amen. Which also communicates perspective. Now, the ideology m many people have about money, how money is to be gotten, is have a job to get money. <laughs> uh, so let me say, let me use, let me use the acronym HAG. Have a job. So we'll call this person Hajj. Right? Have a job to get money. And so, one popular philosophy of all such people is time is money. 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 My dear, time is money is an expensive lie. Time is infinitely more expensive than money. If you lose money, you can get more of it again. You lose time, you can't get it back. So most people who have the ideology get a job to have money. What they end up doing is using their time to procure a little bit of somebody else's money. Because in their mind, that's how money comes. Get a job. <laughs> Are you here? Praise God. 
You see, it's a reason why I've never been interested in job from way back. Because there were principles from the, 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 the workings of God within me. Let me prove it to you that time is more important than money. Let's say that, who, who is here? I'm giving you one million dollars today. You take it. One million dollars today. You take it. Praise God. You take it. Okay. What if the condition is that you are dying 12 midnight today? Will you still take it? <laughs> the condition is that you are dying 12 midnight today. <laughs> you still take it. You take it. You still take it. So you spend a million and then you die today. <laughs> okay. But majority will not take it. And that shows you that the moment the condition was the fact that they are going to die today, 4 p.m. today or 12 p.m. today, they say they don't want. Why? Time is more valuable to them than the money. Their life and their time is more important to them than the money. Praise the Lord. So to run around with the ideology, time is money, time is money, time is money, you end up becoming here. Hajj. I think that this shouldn't be Hajj. This should be Hajj because he has a sorrowful face. Praise God. Hallelujah. So that's the first group of people. Their mindset concerning money. Or their mindset concerning what? Get a job. So it is predominant in their mindset. Whether 30 years, 40 years, whatever. That's, that's how they... So they keep on moving from level to level. Looking for the, le- the next best job. The next best job. The next best job. If the job is twenty, you're looking for a job that will pay ten thousand. Their mind is job, 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 job. The second group of people, their perspective. Is buying a job. Let me put it that way. Buying a job. Glory to God. Are you here? Buying a job. Let's, let's, let's tag them as, okay, own a job. So, OAJ. Own a job. Now, what are these people? These are the people who can go around. Let's say they go and they buy some barbering equipment. So, they buy some clippers and stuff. And then they go from house to house. They barb you. Right? Right? So, they are not necessarily working for somebody. They are working for their own self. But they are just working. They are, they are still working a job. But this time, their own self. Are you following? So they own a job. Are you getting it? They own a job. But it's still a job. And the result is that they have less time. Because less time to do other things. Because they have to keep on going around and then doing this to, you know, to generate the money. Are you following this? Or a woman who buys hairdressing equipment and stuff and then goes from house to house, you know, doing people's hair and stuff. She owns a job but she's still working a job. Are you following this? Praise God. The third group of people, because of our time, is, I wrote here for you, owning a system that makes money. Are you here? Owning a system that makes money. So, for example, the pure water factory owner he possesses it. The distributors can come for it. Distributors will give to wholesalers. Wholesalers give to retailers. And the system is running. So, 
Money is being made. He owns the system that makes the money. He owns the system that makes the money. Such a person, he has time and his money is continually working for him or her. I hear what I'm saying. So, I've always sought to find myself in this category. I remember, I think it was just last week, I was talking with Sir Victor and I was showing him a plan. How this, when this happens, this will do this, then this will do this, and this will do this. Because it's a cycle. I'll come to that. I'll, I'll mention that. Praise the Lord. Whatever you do, look for how you will create a system that produces money. De- develop by the Spirit of God a system that makes money. A system that will produce money. When I, I remember years ago when I first opened my um, more money shop, I employed somebody to work there. So, I've opened a more money shop, bought the equipment, bought the um, everything, paid for the land, rent, everything, put the electricity, everything in there, chairs, everything. Then I employed somebody to start working there. I'm not going to be there. I don't own the job. I own a system. Are you following? I'll pay the worker every month. I don't own, I own the job, but I'm not the one there. I own a system. Are you following this? And then the person there, he has to use it for a time. <laughs> because it's in levels. That is why I tell people, nine to five is good. If you are starting or whatever it is, you start with that. But try to come up with ideas that you can do things on your own. You can own things that are yours. The other day I was telling Esther. Was it when we were at one of the places? She came to church. Her hair plenty. Bouncing around. Bouncing. Bouncing around. <laughs> and I told her that, see you. Look at your hair. You are sitting on money. Then I began to talk. I said, go and find a school that, that um, teaches how to do hair products, everything. Why? Because I want to convert her into a CEO. She learns how to do all those things. She can advertise with her hair. And because she has the hair, women will purchase but you see, somebody else just has the hair. They don't see the relevance. Uh, fashion. But that's money right there. <laughs> Praise God. Look at Sir Elvis. That's money sitting on the red chair. Have you seen the chest? Have you seen the arms? That's money. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, are you seeing this? Your perspective matters a lot. Your psychology of wealth, your psychology of money matters in prosperity. Are you following? Somebody said, <laughs> somebody said, guy or something. Praise God. <laughs> Slim tea. <laughs> Why are you savage? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Slim tea. Yeah. If he says, look at me. <laughs> and he picks the product. And he says, um, 
Kikosi limti. Look at me today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you here? So think of systems. Right? Think of what? Systems. That will continue generating the money for you. When you have that, you have more time to do other things, to make more money, to do other stuff. Now, the last one. <laughs> Somebody has remembered the slim tea. <laughs> Praise God. So, this is OWS. Own a system. Right? Do what? Own a system. The fourth one. Let me do it. Uh, SMS. And what is SMS? So many seeds. So many seeds. Let your money be invested. Sown and grow to bring you more money. Now this can happen through businesses. This can happen through different things. So, you don't use your time to make money. You use your money rather to buy more time. Because time is the most expensive asset. And the one who has time has something more valuable than money because of the quality of the asset. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, let me summarize this nutshell for you. Poor people, their psychology of money, or when I say psychology of money, I also, I also mean what people primarily believe is the purpose of money. Okay? Poor people, their psychology of money is to pay bills and buy stuff. <laughs> That's their psychology. So they're always looking for the next better job. So that, okay, I can pay, I can pay this, I can pay, I can pay this, okay. And I pay that, okay, then I can buy, I can buy that TV. Or I can buy that thing. I can buy that. That's the psychology of poor people. Pay bills and buy stuff. Then those in between poverty and rich. One leg here, one leg here. <laughs> it's more dangerous to be in that category. <laughs> the psychology of money is to be able to have you know, to create and then to maintain some money, right? At all times. So that if anything arises, they can buy anything they need to buy. Praise the Lord. Those are in between. They want to create and then they have some, some savings. You see, some savings. So that if anything, oh, I have this here, I can, we can buy this. Or we can pay for this. That's the middle. That those that are in between. Rich people's psychology of money is money is used to turn into more money. We use money to turn it into more money. Or their psychology is to, 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 to turn the money present today into more money. To turn the money present today into more money. That's the psychology of the wealthy. The psychology of the rich. I hear what I'm saying. 
So, when Joseph was made, was put in charge over overseeing the famine in abundance, immediately he made them start building barns. That's Joseph. He made them start to build storehouses. So that the abundance that was going to come in would go in into the barns. So they first of all invested labor resources into building the storehouses. Collected it and put it in. They used money to create the barns. Now a time is coming when what they have already used the money to create well now they will be making more money from what they first used money to create. Turn money into more money. I have what I'm saying. The rich have that philosophy. So money comes to them. They are looking at how can I multiply this? That's how I think. So I always have at least always like four or five plans. From this level. This will become this. Then this will do this. Then this. So I can have a main goal. Maybe in business entrepreneurship at this level. But you may see me operating at here. I haven't forgotten this one. I just know that this is where I will go. This will become this. Then this becomes this. This becomes that. I hear what I'm saying. Your psychology of money is important. Your psychology of wealth is important. So the second law of prosperity is the, your psychology or your mindset of money. You know, I've worked for a company only once my entire life. And that was for nine months. While I was working for them nine months, the salary that was coming, it was, it was an eyesore. That's why I tell people, live by faith. Amen? Yes. When I, tell, when I say live by faith, people think that, oh, me, I've had it easy because I don't know what I'm talking about. When you are earning 200 a month, what can you do with it? You have fees to pay, you have things to take, you have things to buy, where you even stay. What do what you use for? <laughs> Praise God. So while I was doing that, I decided to go into suit business. I started to go into suit business. So I found my way navigating how I can start buying suits and then start selling. So that while I'm working in the office, the suits, whatever has to be, you know, generated and will be selling, will be selling. And I'm in the office working with what I need to do, but money is being generated from the other business that has been what established. And that was the first time I began it. People were coming to my house to buy. Because they would see my picture on Facebook. Pampy, fefefe. And they want it. I said, oh, sure. Don't worry, just give me a call. Glory to God. So, no matter what class you are in, upgrade. Hallelujah. Praise God. Wow, we've gone past our time, but I'm not done. I'm not even halfway what I want to teach you. But it's a very, very important topic. But we'll have to end for here. Amen? We'll have to end here. But note this down. Five truths that must be established as mindsets. Or six truths that you must establish as mindsets. When it comes to finance. Now this is, this is uh, um, it can be considered a continuation to what I've taught you earlier on. Right? On the principles. So first, first one, six truths. God is not opposed to your prosperity. He is for it. Establish that. God is not opposed to your prosperity. He is for it. In 1 Kings 3, he gave Solomon wealth and abundance. Solomon didn't ask for it. He gave it to him. Genesis 
one and two, they didn't ask for abundance. They didn't even have the sense. They were not even created yet to know about it. He gave them abundance before they could come in. So God is not opposed to your person. He is for it. Number two, or B, all things are yours. See the scripture, including riches. All things are yours. All things are yours, including riches. First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians three twenty one. All things are yours. Number three, or C, God freely gives us all things to enjoy. God freely gives us richly all things to enjoy. First Timothy 6 verse 17. 6 verse 7. First Timothy 6 verse 17. It says, Charge not are rich in this world that they be not high minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things supply. So again, uh, all things to enjoy. So again, you see the principle here. He says they shouldn't trust in the riches, but in the living God who giveth. That is what supply conscious. That's what Jesus wanted his people to understand. You see, when you have a million dollars in your bank, don't trust in the million dollars, trust in God. Are you with me? Who giveth richly all things to enjoy? Do you see the principle here? There's a difference between trusting in riches and trusting in the giver of the riches. That is what God wants us to have. Trust in the giver of the riches. So the Bible says, charge them. In other words, command them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. Proud rich people are proud because of their trust in their riches. When you trust in God, you are not proud. Those that are proud because they are rich, or proud because they are, when they have the, their, their pride and their trust is where? In their riches. He says, children that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Do you see this now? That's a principle. So, number three, God Richly gives us all things to enjoy. Number four, my financial abundance is to propel the kingdom. These are mindsets you must establish. My financial abundance is to propel the kingdom. Exodus 12 verse 35, after God had made them, you know, gather riches from the the, the Egyptians, when they now came into the land, they brought of the things they had received to build the house of God, to build the temple of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you can go in with Exodus 12. And then also Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. He says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which is sworn to your fathers. Amen. Amen. E, or number five, we are stewards of the riches of God. This means that sometimes some money can come to you, but it's not yours. It might be for a brother or a sister. Or for a particular uh, activity that God wants to get done. So you don't treat all money as solely yours. You keep it in store. This money has come is good. But maybe God may be wanting me to, you know, keep it for the sake of Jeffrey or for the sake of Danny. You see? Then a need can arise and you say, oh, you can have this. We are stewards. You see? We are stewards. Not all the money that comes to you is just yours. You, in, your, in your mind, every money that comes to you, media, media. 
media. No. <laughs> Praise God. We are stewards. So sometimes money can come to you that is not entirely yours. It's for the sake of that brother, that sister, that friend, that relative. Are you with me? So you don't spend money like your head is not there. Somebody can come and ask you when you're least expecting that, oh, something is happening now. So, Mr. Kamidini, you know, you see, meanwhile, God had planned that when the person come and ask you, you provide for the person. Hallelujah. And the last, number six, a prosperous person gives to God and to his servants. A prosperous person in a nutshell is a giver. Let these mindsets, these truths be established in your mindset. Say I'm prosperous. Say I was born for prosperity. I was born for wealth. I was born for wealth. I was born for prosperity. I was born for prosperity. I was born for wealth. I was born for wealth. I was born for prosperity. I'm the seed of Abraham. Prosperity is mine. Wealth is mine. Riches are mine. Blessings of wealth are mine. In the name of Jesus Christ. I was born rich. In Christ I was born rich. In Christ I was born wealthy. In Christ I was born with abundance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not opposed to my prosperity. He is for my prosperity. God is not opposed to my wealth. He is for my wealth. He is for my wealth. All things are mine. Including riches. Including abundance. Including wealth. In the name of Jesus. I'm led by the Spirit of God. Into those things. Those endeavors. Those ventures. That the blessing of the Lord. Will cause to multiply. Into abundance of wealth. I'm led into. The right contracts. The right businesses. The right skills. In my workplace. I'm led into. The right businesses. In the name of Jesus. That the blessing of the Lord. Will come upon. And turn into millions of dollars into wealth untold in the name of Jesus Christ. God freely, richly gives me all things to enjoy. Dollars, pounds, houses, cars, riches, wisdom. He gives me richly all things to enjoy. To enjoy with my finances. I propel the course of God with my finances I propel the course of the kingdom the gospel of God the message of the gospel in the name of Jesus I am a steward of the riches of God God can trust me with money God can trust me with millions of dollars God can trust me with millions of pounds God can trust me with properties with properties with assets in the name of Jesus Christ for I'm a good steward of the riches of God I'm prosperous and a giver I give to God I give to his servants I give to God I give to his work I give to his servants in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus hallelujah yeah you study your Bible carefully discover that those who were rich with God they gave to God's servants. They understood certain principles. Again, the law of first mention. The first time we see Abraham giving uh, something to a, a priest or anybody in the, the capacity of God receiving something. It was Abraham giving to a priest of God. In the law of first mention. 
prior to that, they used to offer sacrifice unto God directly. But Abraham becomes the first man who by revelation discovers Melchizedek and he gives to Melchizedek. I hear what I'm saying. Yes. These principles must be in your spirit. Most of the rich people I know, the, the elderly ones, they don't joke. They, when they discover somebody is a genuine man of God and they, 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 they respect the man of God, they will carry. They go and give. Something can be going wrong in their own house, bad days, and there is a revelation they have about the servants of God that makes them hallelujah. You will be so rich. You will be so wealthy. Watch, the, watch as the word of God transforms your life. Watch as the word of God transforms your life. This same message, this same grace, this same message transforms your life. Hallelujah. Yeah. One of our leaders was here. No really, you know, making anything. Today when we talk, one is like, one has become like this same message. The same grace. Hallelujah. Give your mind and your heart to the word. Amen. You can find more inspiring, uplifting, spirit-filled sermons and teachings at Christ Glory Ministries on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on every other podcast platforms. Help reach the lost by sharing links to the messages with your family, friends, and on your personal social platforms. God bless you.